Hi, I'm Howard Eisenstadt. I'm an associate professor at St. Lawrence University and a non-resident scholar at the Middle East Institute. And with me Hi. is Mabre Tahirolu. Hi, uh, this is Mabre Tahirolu. I'm the Turkey Program Coordinator at the Project on Middle East Democracy, POMED, uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, Howard and I are here today to talk about the recent NATO summit, uh, where uh, Sweden and Finland were invited to, formally invited to join NATO, uh, and Turkey's role in this, because, of course, Turkey for the last uh, five to six weeks uh, has been threatening to veto um, this invitation. But in a last-minute deal that it struck with uh, uh, Sweden and Finland uh, at the NATO summits this week, uh, Turkey decided to basically lift its veto. Uh, so Howard, let me start by asking you, why was Turkey threatening this? And uh, what did it get out of this agreement, this memorandum that it signed with Sweden and Finland? Um, it's a good reason, question as to why they were threatening, because they probably could have gotten everything that they did get, you know, sort of more quietly. But I think the reason they uh, they did sort of have this this very loud argument was was because uh, first of all it's good for President Erdogan politically to to look tough uh, with his Western allies and secondly I think that he believes that that's the only way that the West will pay attention to Turkey's concerns. Yeah, basically it was acting uh, you know in a problematic way, saying you know you all need to listen to me and acknowledge my demands. Um, just to specify uh, its specific demands from Sweden and, and I think to a lesser extent from Finland um, was that these two countries in some ways commit to not supporting uh, two particular groups, the YPG, the Syrian Kurdish uh, group that the anti-ISIS coalition has been working with in Syria, uh, which Turkey considers a terrorist organization as an affiliate of the Kurdistan Workers Party, PKK. Um, and of course, this group called that Turkey calls FETÖ, uh, meaning the followers, supporters of uh, Fethullah Gülen, an Islamic cleric living in the United States. Uh, and uh, Erdogan also calls uh, all members uh, and followers of this cleric, members of his organization uh, under the name of uh, FETÖ, and that is also a designated terror group in Turkey. Um, in this memorandum that the three countries signed, uh, these countries did seem to commit to not supporting these two groups. Uh, there are many uh, Gülen supporters living in Sweden and, uh, of course, politically active Kurds living in Sweden. Uh, so Sweden, I think, uh, agreeing to this was rather a tangible benefit. For, for Erdogan, it, it seemed like he did get what he wanted. I think a more important thing he got was that for the first time that I've seen in an international agreement uh, signed with Western countries, there is an acknowledgement, you know, the, 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 of, of these two groups' existence and the fact that, you know, that they pose a threat to Turkey. Um, Howard, have you seen anything like this before? I don't think any NATO ally of Turkey's has ever, you know, officially acknowledged that these two groups are, are threatened to Turkey or that they, you know, yeah. admit not supporting it. You know, it's a really interesting point you raise. I'm not sure that I read in the document quite as much as you did. Um, I mean, there's an acknowledgement of the existence of these groups, but there's no real commitment uh, uh, of uh, either Sweden or Finland to to prosecute these groups so much. Like they talk, the, the paragraphs are separated so there's an acknowledgement of these groups, and then the action paragraph about fighting terrorism is kept vague. And so I'm not I'm not sure 
Um, you know, I, I agree, and it's interesting that you raise that idea of, of their their acknowledgement, but I'm not sure that uh, there's as much tangible benefit as as um, maybe some observers have seen. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how uh, Sweden and Finland actually respond in terms of of uh, uh, extradition to deportations. Yeah, they might they might not take concrete actions as as Erdogan would like to see as a result of this agreement. But I think it was noteworthy that the agreement like names these groups specifically. Yeah. Um, of course, another most you know I think the, as you said you know Erdogan did this mainly for domestic play, and one of the things he most tangibly got out of this whole ordeal was a face to face with Biden, uh, a good meeting with Macron, uh, lots of diplomatic traffic between you know with uh, you know NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg and Swedish and and Finnish prime ministers. So he got a lot of attention from the West. Is that really what he was looking for? I think it's a big part, and I think it's I think it's important to him politically, personally, ideologically that that Turkey is seen as the center of diplomatic activity. It's one of the reasons why I'm I'm pessimistic that this is sort of the last chapter of the story, uh, because uh, if if he uh, th- throws up complaints as he seems likely to do about about uh, Finland and Sweden fulfilling uh, their obligations, then then you know the the parade of uh, leaders and and meetings can continue. That's true. They're, they the countries are yet to ratify um, this request that they had from you know by NATO. So we'll see what happens. Um, well, thank you, uh, Howard, for talking to me and for everyone. It was listening. great. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.